neighbor and uh, get in groups of uh, two, three, four. Just share something that God's done for you this week and uh, just uh, celebrate that for a moment and uh, we'll continue in just a moment. Just find a couple people to celebrate what God's done for you this week. Think of something, a blessing, uh, something you've been able to accomplish. Give God glory for something this week. Have you saw when you were coming in today our Operation Christmas Child boxes up back there? And you're thinking, wow, is it ta- that time already? Yes, it is. We have just about, um, we have less than a month to get these in. And so um, you can pick up some boxes that have not yet been put together and start, because you'll notice they come empty, pre-empty for you. And uh, you get to go and fill them up. Um, Next Sunday, we'll try to have a little video showing you uh, what you can uh, put in them. Uh, or you could, if, you're, uh, if you have the internet or YouTube, you can pull up YouTube and type in Operation Christmas Child. Look for the 2019 video. Because every year it changes. You know, there are things that they, um, they find out that they're not allowed taking. Like uh, you used to be able to bring candy. You can't send candy. They won't let candy go across um, uh, international lines like that. So there's things that they've taken off of the list that we used to be able to put in there. And so I just want you to be aware of that. But these boxes are back there. Help yourself to picking up in a couple of those and we'll start getting those. And as you bring them in, just fill them up, bring them in up here to the front. Uh, but we will show the video next week. Uh, today, uh, forgive me for my voice, I'm on the, the backside of a cold. And so... Uh, my, I have noticed that it, you know, my, my ability to carry on longer sentences is depleted because um, I don't have the wind for it, which is unusual for me. I normally can ramble for a while. 
But uh, today I'm struggling in that, and yet there's still this message that I know that has been uh, uh, burning in my soul here this week. And completing this series, just a a short (coughs) three-week series on the kingdom of God. And I say short because three messages that help us to understand what the kingdom of God is all about is short. You know, we, we could spend the entire year focusing on the kingdom of God and what it is about. Um, number one, the first thing, the first aspect of us embracing the kingdom of God or seeing the fulfillment of the kingdom of God in our lives takes what? Can you remember what the first key was? Well, no, we're closer. A couple weeks ago, we met, remember, we had a great service. Worship! You know, I even found these, um, we were in some of the donation stuff, I saw these great keys downstairs. I thought, what a great representation, you know, that there are literal keys for us to engage in God, to access the things of God. How many of you have rooms that are locked up by keys? The rest of your house is just all open up. You, people can come and go. <laughs> now, we, when we lived in South Dakota, we were there 15 years, and very seldom was our house ever locked. It was a wonderful place to be. You know, not that there wasn't stuff going on, but we just if people wanted it, we'd rather them just go in and get it instead of break our door down. So we didn't have anything that we were that attached to that we thought they couldn't take. Um, but... Keys typically lock things up of value. And uh, I remember growing up, you know, there were, I had uh, three other brothers and a sister, and we were big eaters. How many of you have kids that are big eaters? Well, multiply that, you know, and that was our family, you know, we just, and so my dad, I'm not lying, literally put a lock on the refrigerator. So, you would only get into the refrigerator during mealtimes. There was no snacking during the day. You know, my mom had access to the key and my dad, and that was it. And so when it was time to fix a meal, they would unlock the refrigerator and get the necessary ingredients out. And, you know, and so it was a, it was a different lifestyle because we were just, you know, you just constantly eat. How many have kids at home that constantly eat? You understand what I'm saying? Um, they love eating. Um, you know, my grandboys are over all the time, and they're only four and three, and yet they eat all the time. And, uh, you know, we, they had been over at our house um, over the weekend. My wife and I were at a training Friday and Saturday for the church. And um, we got home Saturday, and they told me five times in an hour that they were hungry. So they're hungry, they're growing. Um, but keys to the kingdom, the first key was worship. We enter into the kingdom of God, experiencing the kingdom of God through worship. Now, does that mean that anytime you want to see what God is going to do, you have to come to church? No. <laughs> no. Where else can you worship God? Anywhere and everywhere. That means we have to learn to worship God outside of this place, which is a challenge. Some of us um, were not brought up with uh, an understanding that worship can happen in other places other than church. We have to teach ourselves. We are, uh, I believe that God has called us to be lifelong learners, uh, people who are constantly um, integrating new concepts into our lives. 
So God wants us to learn. Worship can happen anywhere and should happen anywhere. Um, some of the most worshipful places you'll find are places outside of this building. Uh, when you enter into God's kingdom through uh, the wilderness, yeah, going out in, in the midst of uh, you know, where you just got a running creek right down the river, and just the sound of that is so peaceful. Um, it's, just a, uh, it's just a beautiful picture. Um, <laughs> we had uh, uh, on, my, on our phones, you know, we got these sleep aids that help you, and I love the sound of wind or of, uh, of rain, stuff like that. The problem is... Um, Sometimes that's also the sound that wakes you up. Um, and so when your brain is thinking that when you're going to sleep, this is the sound, and when you have to get up, it's the sound, it, it doesn't know what to do with all the sounds, and we confuse ourselves. But worship is a key thing. Second area we dealt with last week was seeking God. We need to be men and women who know how to seek Him, know how to look for Him. How many of you have looked for God this week in your life? You've looked for God in, in the things that are going on in your day to day. Somebody tell me this morning how you found God this week. Somewhere where you experienced God, you, you found Him as you were looking for Him. Constance. At Paul's game. At Paul's game. All right. So you found God in the midst of a kid winning a soccer game. Yeah. Someone else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing place to behold, you know, God's beauty. Miss Jean. Mm -hmm. And his word. Yeah, when you seek God. Can you, can you tell me one thing that stood out to you this week in your reading that just God really brought to life? <laughs> Is there a correlation in our own lives? <laughs> yeah. When we seek God, when we, when we are looking for God, <coughs> it is easier to find God in the midst of everything going on around us. The third and the final key that I have for us today is, um, uh, is living for God. Living for God. And so if you want to experience the kingdom of God and its fulfillment, you need to learn to live for Him. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, our passage we've been working with is Matthew 6, 9-13. through 13. It's the, it's the uh, Lord's Prayer, and it says this, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this aspect of living for God is encompassed in this, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from it. It is this aspect of, of God being intricately involved in the day-to-day -day activities of your life. And that's where we're going to focus today. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the ability to, to worship you, to seek you, to live for you. 
Open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear what living for You really involves. We ask for this in Your name. Amen. So today I'm working on one aspect of this process, living for God. Can, and this, was, this next concept was actually emphasized at our conference this weekend, but can somebody tell me the number one dilemma facing our society today, other than my wife, because she was there at our conference, and the number one dilemma facing our society today. Sin is a, is a good one, and, um, and it is a, a major issue, but it's not the, the number one. Distraction's good. It's getting maybe even, there. it really goes more specific. Peer pressure, okay, that's good too. Apathy, we're, we're, we're covering some good ones. Inaction, that's a good one. It really is getting closer. Selfishness, that's good. What's that? Entitlement, yeah. Doubt. These are all good. But it doesn't get at the core of the problem. Aloneness. You know, back in the book of Genesis, God said it was not good for man to be alone. And I believe one of the primary reasons, one of the primary uh, instruments that causes problems not only in the church but in our society is this, this thought, this being alone. Now, women, I can't speak for you on this. You're going to have to fill in the blanks there. But are there any other men out there that can bear witness with me that some of the greatest places you've gotten in trouble were when you were alone? <laughs> you know? I mean, you do stupid stuff when you're alone. You do things that you wouldn't do in a group. Um, I do better around people. I, I, I'm so much smarter around people. Um, sometimes when I get alone, some of those other things, sin, entitlement, um, distraction, all those other things bear witness on you when you're alone where you you make other decisions suicide is is a uh, is a problem of aloneness people feel alone they feel that nobody cares about them that nobody is there for them and so they they harm themselves aloneness creates all these other problems because god noticed it at the very beginning that we needed each other we needed people. So I'd like you, again, to get in a group of uh, three to four or five people. I want you to talk about just some of the dangers that you see of being alone. So that means you have to pull together. If you're sitting by yourself, you need to not be alone. You need to get together with someone and talk about some of the dangers of being alone just among your group there for a couple of minutes. The dangers of being alone.
<laughs> I love hearing the rumbles. Thank you, Lord. All right. So as you're talking about this, <coughs> I'd like every group to be ready to share with me one um, thing that you came up with as a group that you think is a danger of being alone. A danger of being alone. Who'd like to start for us today? David. Disbelief. Disbelief is a danger of being alone. Good. Self-destruction. Yeah. Gene. Again, letting Satan have access, yeah, and get a hold. It's good. Someone else? Right. Causes mental health, yeah, problems, yeah, absolutely. Someone else, a danger of being alone. Karen. Say that a little louder. No accountability, that's good. Someone else. So a danger of being alone, something that hasn't been said yet. Depression. Depression. Good. Self-absorbed, self yeah. Anxiety. Anxiety. Fear. You, fear, yeah. So do you see why these can be a problem for us when we're alone? What they can do to us? What's that? Self-doubt. Self so stay close to your group there because in a little bit you're going to come back together because you're helping me today. So I'm, I want you to take just a couple minutes on this next one too. Tell me what it means to live for God. So in your groups, come up with what it means to live for God. So now we know what aloneness does. Tell me what living for God looks like. So in your groups, talk a couple minutes. Tell me what living for God looks like. Each group coming up with a good couple answers, one or two answers.
That's good. All right. Some good stuff here, guys. Uh, all right, so I was talking this group up here. We're going to come back together. They said love, peace, and freedom is what living for God is all about. Loving people, um, being at peace with uh, you know, all those around you, and living in freedom, not judgment. That was good. What did you guys have? You had something different? Malachi, you Anna. All right. What else? Somebody else has it. What's living for God look like? Unconditional love. Obedience. Yeah. Everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. Leading by actions. Purpose. Something else? Sound mind, okay. My voice changed there. I'm going back to puberty. What's that? Faithfulness, yeah, yeah. These are good. So you guys are you guys have a lot of wealth of knowledge in you. A couple passages I want to highlight for us today um, are found in the book of Matthew, chapter twenty-eight. Stay in your groups because you're going to come back together in just a minute to finish this sermon here for me. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. You're very familiar with this. It says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Did you hear some of those concepts you guys were talking about there? That's what living for God is. Let's look at this next one. Um, It's earlier in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commands or commandments. So God says that we are to love God and love people. We have it in front of you every week, right? How many of you even notice this anymore? <laughs> A few of you. Love God, love people. That is the, the instruction of the Lord for us as the body of Christ is to love God and love people. And Matthew uh, 28, to go into all the world and make disciples. Make, make people who know how to follow Jesus. Now, how many of you know how to follow Jesus? Raise your hand if you know how to follow Jesus. Okay? So that means you have to make someone who knows how to follow Jesus because you know how to follow Jesus. And if you don't, it's okay to say I don't know how to do that yet, but you have to start incorporating some of those practices in your life. We need to look at the very foundation of the church and find out what the problem is. If the number one problem we face in the, in the world today and in the church is aloneness, and our goal slash objective is to live for God, is to love God and love people, how is it we are failing at removing aloneness from our church? If, if God has called us to love people and the number one problem that our world faces is aloneness, and if, if our world is facing it, 
The reality is it's, it's, in, it's present in the church. See, a lot of people think, well, a lot of the things that people deal with in the world, they're not in the church. But if, you're, if you believe that, you've missed out on a few concepts because you live here and in the world and the problems of the world really are present. We have, as we've mentioned, um, we have people who struggle with depression and we have people that struggle with addiction and we have people that struggle with um, you know, any number self-harm. If one of the key problems present within the church is that people are alone and God has mandated to us to fix aloneness, how are we failing? How can we fix it? Now I know I'm going to give you five more minutes to come up with a couple of ideas in your group that can help you fix aloneness in somebody's life. And you're going to give me a few more examples in a little bit. But talk about in your groups how you can be a person, a catalyst in fixing aloneness in your church and in your society where you live. How can you fix aloneness? Go.
All right. We're going to come back together here. Spreading the word of God will remove aloneness. How's that going to remove aloneness? Then they'll know they have God. Then they'll know they have God. That's good. You can be a friend to someone that is lonely. And that's what we were just talking about down here. One of the ways that we remove aloneness is by being present with someone who's alone. You know, sometimes we think we remove aloneness by something we say. But it really, sometimes removing aloneness is by something we do. We're just present with them. So I'll be right back there. You guys had one? Same thing? Follow God? Okay, that's good. What? You're going to have to speed louder. Reassurance? Okay, encourage somebody. Good. David. Okay, unselfishly loving God and loving people. Yeah. Kevin. Compassion. Meeting people where they are. Yeah. It, that is merging here with this one up here is being present with someone. It's not about what you say. It's about that you're willing to be there for them. Paul. Yeah. Amen. Those are things we have that we have the opportunity to put on. So our our ability to do that in reality, it's created in my job a policy to say you cannot talk about religion, you can't talk about politics at work. It just, in my opinion, spreads the gap. It makes people more alone. I think it's our inability to do exactly what Paul's talking about that causes these kind of policies to just continue to make the snowball effect. I think as a church, it's important that we are fearless, but also Mm-hmm. We decided you needed to have more picnics. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Those are good. Those are good solutions. Some somebody else have an idea. Be, did I hear be a friend? Be a friend. Check on somebody. How many of you have noticed someone that wasn't in church on a given Sunday? How many of you followed up with that person that next week to find out if they were all right? Okay, it's all right. I mean, I understand. You know, I notice people that are gone every week. Normally, once somebody's been gone two weeks, um, if I have their information, I'll contact them. Miss Elaine, you see, when Elaine's not here, people feel her presence because she asks about everybody. She's at a family event, and it really caused her great distress that she was going to have to miss church uh, to go to an event. Um, but uh, you know what? Checking on people. If you, if you notice someone's gone, take the, the next step and, and check on them. Make sure they're okay. See, if, 
if aloneness is a problem, it is a simple process that we can walk through to help resolve that. You know, if you see someone sitting by themselves, sometimes what we want to do is make them get up out of their aloneness and come be with us, which is not always easy. When someone is, is alone, there, it means that there is some level that something, their, their internal struggle, and, rather, and the reality is you're not going to get them to just immediately separate themselves from that, that moment. But you can go over and be present with them in their aloneness, and you remove the aloneness because you've chosen to engage them where they're at. <coughs> That's what we have to be willing to do. Jesus, He went to where people were. The woman at the well, He went to her. The woman caught in the act of adultery, she was getting ready to be stoned in the street. He went to where she was. You know, Jesus was good at going to where people were alone and helping remove their aloneness by bringing what He had. You know, what Seth was talking about is a reality. And yet, what Paul was talking about at gives us the ability where where Seth can't talk about God, he can be kind to somebody. He can show compassion. He can do all those things that the Word instructs us. And then if someone comes to us and, and, and you can say, listen, I really can't talk about that here. Hey, let's go have a cup of coffee somewhere. That's right. There's a lot more threatening out there than there is... Uh, the ability to follow through on some of those things. But we have to, but we, God gives us the, the instructions in His Word that help us to remove some of the problems that people are dealing with. And so, my challenge for you this week, because that's the message for us today, is for you to go from here and to take this living out the kingdom of God in your world. Be the representatives of Jesus Christ wherever you're at. Be kind. Be compassionate. Remove judgments. Just, just be out there to love people. Listen to them. Sit with people in their aloneness so that they're not by themselves. Do those things that, that you have the opportunity and the ability to do to make them feel valuable. And I guarantee you at a certain point they're going to open up with you on some of the things that are going on. But don't push. Don't pry. I've, I've opened a lot of containers that were difficult to open. And, and when I, the more rambunctious I got to open it, the container was damaged. How, do you know what I'm saying? You, you had, you, sometimes you even break the literal container to get it open. But if I would have been patient, there would have been a way to open it without destroying the container. That's what, that's what of our goals when we're dealing with people is we can get them to open up, but sometimes we break the container. We want to get them to open up and talk with us without us injuring them in the process. And, and we have to be patient. Okay? So, this week, you're going to continue on in, in worshiping God. You're going to continue on and seeking God, and then you're going to also uh, begin to live for God in every area of your life. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you that you're helping us in this process of life. Continue to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Be with us in all that we do, and we ask for this in your name. Amen. On our uh, screen up here as we have our offering prayer, I'd like you to stand with me and pray with me today as we do our prayer. As I give in today's offering, I give because God has first given to me. God has given me His love and forgiveness. He has given me all, the per- all that pertains to life and godliness. God has been a liberal giver, holding back nothing. Today I come with a thankful heart, giving out of a desire to give back. Take my offering and multiply it. Thank you for the ability to give. You must each decide in your own heart how much you to give. And don't give reluctantly for, or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Ushers, thank you. God bless you. Don't forget, next Sunday evening, uh, Anna is going to be bringing the message. And so that'll be, we'll emphasize that again next week. And then please pick up, start working on your Operation uh, Shoebox gifts. God bless you. Love on one another.